0: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.
1: It's Thursday, May 13th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Festivals and other large public gatherings are a mainstay of summer and fall in the region. But many were canceled or became virtual last year because of the pandemic. And in-person events this year are not guaranteed.
2: I would hate to say it, but there's a possibility that we would have to just suspend it again this year. And I think that would be the ultimate heartbreaker for people not to be able to have it two years in a row.
1: In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt explores how some organizers are navigating the challenges of planning a large public event during the pandemic. Health officials in the region say parents will soon be able to take their youngsters to get the COVID-19 vaccine. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports, the Food and Drug Administration and Centers for Disease Control, along with Missouri and Illinois, have approved the vaccine for more adolescents.
2: Missouri health departments and hospitals are ready to give vaccines to 12 to 15-year-olds. That group makes up around 5% of the state's population. Local schools and health systems are already scheduling vaccination appointments for the young teenagers. Dr. Hilary Babcock is an infectious disease specialist at Washington University and BJC Healthcare. She says in recent months, many young people have tested positive for the coronavirus. She says every person who receives a vaccine helps keep hospitalizations and new case numbers down.
3: Minimizing that risk, minimizing the the opportunity for infection in anyone in your household really
2: Tax everyone in your household. Babcock says BJC expects to begin vaccinating adolescents this week. The Pfizer vaccine has already been approved for use in teens 16 and older. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: Missouri lawmakers have voted to place limits on how long public health orders can last without a vote by a county council or commission. The proposal is part of a larger local government bill the House and Senate have sent to Governor Mike Parson. It's a direct response to the coronavirus restrictions put in place by St. Louis County Executive Sam Page. County Republican Representative Jim Murphy says many of the restrictions will probably be lifted by the time the bill takes effect in late August, but he says the change is important for future pandemics. We gave a lot of faith in the local uh, government, and they didn't all act the way they should. So this just makes it across the board a way to act in the future. Orders would last for 30 days before a vote would be required. An extension would need a simple majority if there is a state of emergency in place. Otherwise, it would need a two-thirds majority. The Missouri Senate has passed a comprehensive law enforcement bill after lawmakers agreed to take a provision out that targets lying to the General Assembly. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports. Lawmakers in a conference committee agreed to remove a measure boosting penalties for committing perjury or obstruction to legislative committees. Governor Mike Parson threatened to veto the bill, which includes a use of force database, a ban on police chokeholds, and better tracking of officers with problematic records. Democratic Senator Brian Williams of University City says the legislation sends a big message to the rest of the country close to seven years since the unrest in Ferguson.
0: Michael Brown, uh, George Floyd could have easily been me. And I think now we really have had a conversation for the first time since the death of Michael Brown that black lives matter in the state of Missouri.
1: The bill also removes the residency requirement for the Kansas City Police Department. In Jefferson City, I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Corrections Commissioner Dale Glass is resigning following months of criticism from politicians and activists over conditions in the city jails. Glass has served as the jail director since 2012. A spokesperson for St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones says her office did not ask him to resign. Glass's final day on that job is June 1st. Summer in the St. Louis region is typically highlighted by festivals and other large celebrations. The pandemic forced cancellations or a move to virtual events last year. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports some organizers are now carefully planning for an in-person return.
0: The Route 66 festival in Edwardsville is about a month away and Trina Vetter says she's mostly prepared.
3: So we're a little behind the eight ball but we are moving forward and We'll have it done and ready.
0: Vetter is the special events coordinator for the city of Edwardsville and says this year her team held off planning the annual event, which typically features vendors, activities for kids, and a vintage car show, among other things. They usually start making arrangements in January, but Vetter says she didn't start until March after what happened last year.
3: We were trying to plan it, not sure if it's going to happen, and then I'm canceling on everybody, so we didn't want to do that again.
0: Vetter says the delay this year put them behind in solidifying vendors, event sponsors, and musical acts. She says she hopes the pressure from a few phone calls in the coming weeks will shore up local support.
3: I know our community is giving and people want the event, so it's just a matter of reminding the businesses that we need sponsorships to make it happen.
0: Vetter's experience underscores the needle that public event organizers like her are trying to thread this year how to safely plan a large public event in the middle of an unpredictable global pandemic. Wendy File is the president and CEO of the Greater Belleville Chamber of Commerce. She oversees the City's annual chili cook off in early October. And though she may have some extra months, that doesn't make the planning any easier.
2: Well, I would hate to say about, you know, there's a possibility that we would have to just suspend it again this year. And I think that would be the ultimate heartbreaker. For people not to be able to have it two years in a row.
0: File doesn't expect she'll need to cancel, but she adds it's too early to tell how coronavirus case numbers in the region will change in the coming months. She says it's impossible to make definitive plans at the moment.
2: I don't know that we can assume that risk right now. It may be that we have to move it from downtown Belleville into a controlled location that maybe it becomes a ticketed event.
0: File says she's waiting until July to make some of the bigger decisions about the cook-off. Vetter doesn't have that luxury, but she says the festival capacity limits laid out by Illinois, 30 people per 1,000 square feet, are enough that she won't need to count who's entering or exiting her event. Organizers are also planning for more space in between vendors and many places where guests can find hand sanitizer. Dr. Tim Wimkin is an infectious disease professor at St. Louis University. He says individuals should use that sanitizer often, especially after touching surfaces that many other people have come in contact with. But Wimkin says there's a better way to stay safe. Number one is get vaccinated unquestionably. That's going to be the thing that's going to protect you the most. He recommends people still wear face masks and try to maintain physical distance. Wimkin says that's particularly important when people are eating or don't have their masks on. It's about arranging it properly and staggering access or staggering how people are congregating while their masks are off. He says organizers should enforce safety guidelines to minimize the risk of the virus spreading. And event planners understand this. File says the possibility of COVID-19 infection makes every decision over how to run the chili cook-off important.
2: They're not made by a flip of a coin. There is a lot of people involved in making these decisions.
0: That's partially because organizers feel some extra pressure to host these events after so many were canceled or drastically altered last year. Vetter says the summer festivals are an excuse to get out, see new people, and congregate.
3: I mean, it's just a summer hangout night. And then our concert series and art series starts after that. So it's
2: kind of the kickoff for us.
0: File says the festivals come to define the summer and fall.
2: People plan around these events. Sometimes these festivals are the only time that they, maybe they see friends or or long family that they haven't seen in a while.
0: She adds it's up to organizers like her to ensure they're safe this year and more than make up for the ones that didn't happen last year. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before wrapping up, yesterday was another huge day for a former Sumner High School student. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced Tina Turner is part of the 2021 class. She will be inducted later this year for her work as a solo artist. That career includes many notable songs like What's Love Got to Do With It, along with Private Dancer, We Don't Need Another Hero, and This Gem from 1989. By the way, if you have not seen the episode of Schitt's Creek where a main character does an acoustic version of this song, fire it up on the internet. Well worth it. Turner was born in Tennessee, but moved here at age 16, met Ike Turner at a club in East St. Louis, and launched her legendary music career. She has a star on the St. Louis Walk of Fame in The Loop. Turner will go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist during an October 30th ceremony. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway.